Welcome to episode 14 of the Customers Who Click podcast. Today, we're talking about brand strategy with Friday Flaherty. Uh, in this episode, you'll learn about branding, brand strategy, and why it's important both internally and externally for a business. It helps determine the direction of a business and it outlines its values and how it wants to be perceived uh, externally. So let's hear from Friday and learn about branding. Hi, Friday. Welcome to the podcast. Good to have you on. Uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself? What do you do? Why do you do it? Thanks, Will. Uh, great to be here. I, um, I'm the founder of a creative agency called Running With Scissors. Uh, we started, we actually originally launched in Auckland, New Zealand in 2008 and opened a London office in 2013. Uh, we started in kind of full service advertising and as I guess the marketplace has changed, the advertising marketplace has changed and become more digital with uh, changed with it and our specialty kind of sits mostly within the uh, digital and social media landscape these days. Uh, we take advantage of the two time zone or the time zone difference. So we've got an opposing time zone between the UK and New Zealand. Uh, so we work pretty much 24 hours without anyone working overtime. That's one of the, the key propositions of the agency. Uh, for me personally, I'm a creative strategist. I, I guess my passion sits in kind of the, the crossings between brand, creative ideas and performance marketing. I'm a massive fan of imagination and business and really believe in, uh, I guess, what creativity can do for companies uh, to help them succeed. And that's, I guess, also beyond uh, not just an advertising idea, but also just in terms of creative thinking and how um, you can use creativity as a problem-solving tool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, so can you tell us a bit about you know what a, what a normal day looks like for you? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess we we work across quite a few different types of brands. So we, we work with some, some quite big ones, and we also work with uh, startups and uh, at the moment, we're we're working with uh, brands like Yazoo, Pedigree, Whiskers, uh, Crave, Yale Locks. Uh, we've got uh, a healthcare startup working with a local cafe to kind of help them out, and um, a carpenter as well, uh, as well as a, a company called Food Nation, which is a um, plant-based food company. Uh, the I guess the day-to-day is is pretty diverse because a lot of it depends on what sort of phase uh, of a program we're in. So we kind of work through with any any bit of um, client work, we work through sort of a clarity stage to make sure that we understand the insights of the market and set a good strategy for that particular client. Uh, creativity, coming up with good ideas, the delivery of that idea, including for digital media buying, and then making sure we're constantly learning and analysing and adapting uh, as we go, and I guess one of the things, one of the things that's changed a lot uh, over the years for advertising agencies is it's become a lot more iterative. It used to be that you could set a campaign up and get it running and leave it kind of going for five years. Now things change a lot quicker and a lot faster, so you kind of have to go through cycles a lot quicker to get back to uh, the start point to see if the, the clarity that you had at the beginning of a, a project is still there a second time around. Yeah, if you, if you I guess if you're exposed to the same advertisement you know even if there's 10 15 different kind of formats and versions of it if it's the same message every time it probably starts to lose its impact doesn't it it's a it's a balance as well because there's also um the benefit of repetition uh i think there we are we tend to get sick of the content that we create um before 
audiences do because you are involved in it from for such a long time before it even makes it into the market. Uh, but I think there's there things are just moving really fast and changing all the time. But we also have so much data now to to go through and use and learn from. So we we know so much more than we used to. Uh, we can be a lot quicker in terms of how we adapt, and we can share a lot more things that are, I guess, more relevant to our consumers. Yeah. So um, yeah, before we kind of get into the detail, I guess, can you tell us a bit just kind of generally about branding like what and why you think a brand strategy is important? Yeah, of course. So I guess brand, brand strategy is really about understanding it's why a business exists and what's its reason for being, what role does it play in a consumer's life. Uh, it also helps set a direction for where the business wants to go, what does it want to become, uh, what does it stand for, what's its values, how does it behave, how does it want to be perceived. It's kind of, I mean, the, the main foundation, I guess, for for a business in terms of, you know, its its place in, in the world and and its role for for its audience, for the people that it's serving. One of the first things you do uh, when starting with a new client or a new project around branding? Yeah, I guess it, it does depend a lot whether it's a it's a it's a new client in terms of a startup or it's a, a new client in terms of an established brand. Uh, and a lot of that depends on uh, how much information or how much history the company already already has. But I guess the the things that we're looking at is uh, what's the like doing a comms audit to look at what the messages have been within the market. Uh, interviewing internally is really useful to understand. Um, I mean, when you've got a company that's that's got founders still involved, it's really interesting to get the origin story. Uh, but if even if it's not, it's really interesting to talk to different people within the business to understand their perspective of the business and why it exists and, and I guess also what their role is within it. Uh, looking at competitive landscape so you can understand where that particular business or that particular brand sits in the market and consumer research uh, so you can understand how the brand's perceived, where are the weaknesses from a consumer perspective and where are its strengths. And um, so you can, I guess you can then build uh, a brand strategy to take the brand into its into its next phase, into its next stage of growth. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, obviously really important to make sure that the consumer, the way the consumer perceives the brand is uh, similar or the same as the way the founders do and the staff do. You know, if there's gaps there. It means you know the the message the messaging is not going to not going to be working, is it? Or not yeah, as that's effective. Exactly, that's exactly right. And I think uh, one of the maybe the mis- misconceptions or some of the areas where I think uh, branding is maybe misunderstood is the the internal and external positioning of a company. Because if they're not connected, if they're not joined in some way. Uh, the, the messaging that you're sharing with the consumer just won't resonate because the behaviours that they see or the customer service that they get doesn't connect. So I think it's like branding isn't really a marketing piece in some ways. It's a it's about a you know a, a company vision and a, a way that the, the the business should be behaving internally and externally. Uh, so I think that's that's why you know things need to connect and and also why we need to when we look at branding we need to make sure it's understood uh, sorry it's understood by 
everyone throughout the business, not just a, a marketing team. Yeah, well, I think that leads us quite nicely on to, you know, what, what are these sort of com- common myths and misconceptions about branding? And I think I see, yeah, a lot, a lot of the time branding is kind of a, a, a brand book with a set of guidelines on colours, fonts, and a little bit of tone of voice, and that's it. Yeah, I think I think the I guess one of the areas that people get confused about there's identity guidelines, which are your you know your logo and your colours, uh, typefaces and all that sort of stuff, and then there's the which do form a part of the brand guide. So they are they are obviously an important part of of the brand because that's how that's the the visual aspect of it, um, and you know the logo is the signature for the brand, but it's not. It's not a brand strategy. It's just a part of it. And so the, the brand really needs to be something that people understand in terms of where the brand is going and how, and how they behave. Um, and it also, I think, um, I think people overcomplicate it sometimes and try maybe even get a bit po- too poetic. Like you can look at some brand guidelines and you go, that's really lovely. Like it's a beautiful piece of prose, but what does it even, you know, what does it even mean? What am I supposed to do with this information? If, if people can't read, a brand book as an example uh, and understand it then it's kind of pointless yeah I think I've definitely received a few um, you know proposals kind of from agencies on what what a brand would look like and stuff and it's it's kind of just full of buzzwords and you end up you read through it and at the time when you're reading each slide you're thinking okay yeah this is quite cool this sounds really good and then you finish it off and you're like so what does that actually mean like what has, I guess, so one thing I've always uh, found with these sort of uh, documents that come across from whether it's from branding teams or agencies or whatever, um, it's like, what is the practical use of this? Because you'll get, you know, the colors, tone of voice and stuff. Even the tone of voice can be a bit, but, you know, it's, I always kind of end up going, well, how do we actually use this? Yeah, um, and I, I, uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very valid point. And I think, you know, like things like, Tone of voice guides are really good if you're a copywriter, but they're not really necessarily that helpful to you know, other other parts of business or other suppliers. I think I, I keep going back to um, you know when uh, NASA put a put people on the moon, and there's that story about I can't even remember who the example was, but someone's walking through, and there's a um, someone cleaning the floor, and they get asked, you know, what what are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. Mm, you know, yeah. it's like understanding why, you know, what the what the business is all about and, it, and being really clear about it. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I mean, space travel is pretty exciting, but it should still be the same. It's really simple. It's not a mode of language, but it's really clear. It's really easy to understand. And you kind of, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and that, that's, that's where I think, you know, brand, a really great brand strategy can, really join people together and and create some, you know, combined momentum around a, a common goal. Yeah, sometimes people in the business will know what that business does and, you know, who its audience is and stuff, but it's not, there's, yeah, there's not much of that why. You know, what are we, like, why are we doing this? Yeah. What's, what's the end goal? Um, you know, it's not someone wants to... Uh, I don't know, I'm thinking about through, through the places I've worked at, but, you know, people don't want to read a magazine or, uh, you know, hire a car for the day. Um, there, there is a, there's a reason they want to do that. Um, yeah. But a lot of the messaging internally and 
and that how that information is used is kind of just to push that uh, the actual the, just the usage um, rather than what people want to get out of it. Um, so, what are the are there some kind of big big or common mistakes you see in brand strategies? Do you get maybe new clients come in or speaking of prospects who, yeah, maybe just have got it a bit wrong and, and you kind of work with them to set out like a real strategy? I think actually, to be honest, it's probably a lot of the stuff that we might have just, just covered. I, I think it's, for us, like one of the things that we're looking for is, you know, is it, do we understand it? Like, does it, does it, do we, can we read it or can we, are we, you know, is it shared with us in a different way that, that we actually know where the brand is going and, and also where are the areas for improvement? You know, if you get um, some good consumer research and it tells you that like you think your brand is about being, um, you know, fast and effective, it, um, it, that's, that's kind of a, a benefit that you thought everyone understood and then you get consumer research and that's, that doesn't even register that you realize that actually your um, the delivery of the brand hasn't been the yeah the communication to the delivery against your brand strategy hasn't been right so then you can start finding areas to um, to improve yeah it's, it's again that situation where pe- people in the business because I guess you obviously you're close to it you're, you're working on it every single day so you know exactly what the business does and because you know that so well, I guess there's kind of that uh, assumption that if you put out some of this messaging and these advertisements and things and get people to the website, they will fully understand what you do as well. You know, I think it's like, like you were saying with um, how, you know, you're working on creative and stuff, you know, like all day, every day. And so you're really, really close to it and you get fed up with it before the consumer. I think it's that same kind of, if you're, you know, if you're, exposed to the brand all day every day you almost like take it for granted that people would understand it because it's second nature to you yeah i think that's that's 100 percent right i think the i guess the important point in terms of brand and because you, you you'll 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 start off and you'll set a strategy but it's not finished that's just that's just the starting point and then you have to obviously deliver it but then you also just have to constantly listen because if you know, the consumer are the ones that you're trying to connect with and your internal staff and audience are also the ones that are helping you deliver it. So you need to be listening internally and externally to make sure that um, the strategy is delivering its objectives and that the people are perceiving the brand in the way that you want it to be and that, you know, your products and services are actually delivering. And consumers are pretty quick to tell you when you've gone off track or if uh, you're not delivering against the promise that you've set there's lots to like i guess constantly review it's not a because I, I guess that's the other thing actually with a brand book you know like it feels like one of those things um that can just sit on a desk or sit in a folder and never gets referred to again and it, it really needs to be something that you're living all the time and you know like putting values on a wall does seem a bit cliche but i think if it's important and if it's something that you really want everyone to believe in, then frame them up and put them on the wall. You know, like it's why hide them? Why keep them uh, as a secret or just something that you refer to once a year when you're doing your brand checking? Yeah. I think if they are, if they're proper brand values that uh, everyone in the company is frequently made aware of. Um, and, you know, I was uh, one, one place I worked at uh, bonuses were, partly affected by 
how well you uh, kind of performed against the brand values. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was more of an, an opinion thing, but you know, it was, it was, you know, they used that as a way of saying, you know, make sure you are doing these things and managers on a, on a kind of quarterly basis would kind of check in with people and see how they're doing with those and see where they can, you know, maybe make some improvements. And I think in those cases, it's great to have it up on the wall, make sure people can see these, make make sure people are reminded. But um, if you're not that, like say, if, if your brand book just kind of goes in a, uh, goes in a drawer somewhere, uh, I think in those cases, it tends to be uh, maybe a lot of startups as well. I think they're probably guilty of that where, you know, those people just put posters up on the walls or, like framed images of kind of motivational quotes and things, which yeah. they kind of claim are there, you know, these, these are our brand values and no one particularly cares. Um, I made an interesting point about how, you know, consumers will often tell you when you're kind of veering away from your, your brand values. Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, for brand values, that makes sense. But in other cases, do you think, do you find a lot of the time or well, not a lot of the time, but do you, do you find times where, um, uh, you know how we were talking about um, the the messaging is missing part of the consumer perception of what your brand does or offers. But is it other times when actually it's not it's not the case that it's missing. It's the case that people see it in a completely different way. And actually, instead of trying to teach them what you think your brand is about, you actually adapt the brand to what they're saying. Sort of, but I think I really want to go back to another point you made just earlier about the incentivizing um, the right outcomes because I think that's such a important um, point to to discuss. Um, and and I think part of it is like having, like you say, you can do bonuses that are based on a certain type of behaviour. One of the um, the stories I I remember which uh, sticks in my mind is um, Rob Fife, who was the CEO of in New Zealand, he used to always try and find um, the stories from staff that typified the behaviour that he was hoping to see in terms of the customer service that they were offering. And he he really wanted to make it feel like you were getting New Zealand hospitality on these, you know, on the, the national carrier. And so he would he would find these stories of different, you know, and they could either come from a consumer or they could come from somewhere internally. And then he would really highlight them. So that would be his biggest point was his, um, this person, this flight attendant that did this thing and she'd share it with the whole company. And that would be like held up as, uh, you know, an example. And also this person would be celebrated for that behavior. It wasn't even financial. It was just like, the, the head of the company recognizing that someone had behaved in a way that was very particular to what they were trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Um, I think it's always really important when you know the people at the top, especially with these big businesses, where they might not even never uh, they might not even ever meet that that staff member. But yeah, they they find they're looking for that feedback. They find that little story, or whatever, and then they kind of highlight it to the company. Um, yeah. I think it's uh, it's quite you know it's uplifting. It's motivational for the team. It m- makes people want to to behave in those in those ways. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's really um, motivating, isn't it? As a if you're an employee and you know, especially in a big company, you're an employee and the head of the company calls you out in front of everyone for for something you've done really well, it's pretty motivating and exciting to to get that kind of feedback. Yeah. Yeah, especially when, you know, if, if you have never worked directly with them, uh, with that person, um, they might not have really even been aware of you. But to kind of call you out like that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really good for you know company morale and helps people, uh, you know, kind of work towards those those brand values. Um, it's, it's quite different to when you have been working with that person and they're happy with the work you've done with them and they just go, oh, yeah, this person's doing a great job. It's kind of like that's that's good to hear. Um, it's good feedback, but yeah, it's just a little different when you know that person is actively spending their time looking out for these good examples to highlight. Yeah, and being very specific about the examples that they're, they're, they're sharing. So it's not just like, oh, you did a good job on that slide and everyone, you know, seemed to be happy. It was that that, that extra bit, the bit that um, made a difference, it made it unique, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um so if someone was maybe in the start process of starting a business or I guess possibly even just they want to review their branding, what suggestions would you give them? Where, where should they start? Uh, I guess if it's, if it's a startup and they're, they're just beginning, I guess it's being really clear about their why. Um, so why, why are they doing it? Why do they exist? Why would a consumer uh, care? Uh, I think from a um, positioning point of view, uh, if you're, especially if you're you're going into a market where there's lots of lots of players already, then you really need to be quite bold and simple in terms of what you're trying to say, and how you position yourself. Uh, and from a design perspective, I I think it's good to be uh, very consistent in the early stages. I mean, you, you should be pretty consistent uh, all the time, but um, especially when you start out you probably don't have the same sort of budget that a big company has. So you've got to try and make sure that every time you're sharing, people start to remember it. I guess regardless, I mean, keep learning from your consumers and your team. Um, and also don't expect to please everyone. I think, you know, you're if you're taking a brand position and you believe in it, then there are going to be people that don't think it's right. And that that's fine. But if you can get enough people excited about it in the direction you're heading, then that's all you all you really want. Yeah, I think if you get um, the brand values and things in place and you can get a team excited, then you can, you, well, hopefully do well uh, with almost any business. Um, you know, I think you mentioned you, you work with, uh, was it Yale, Locks? Yep. Yeah, which, you know, as a consumer, you might not think is the most exciting brand, um, but they've been around for uh, God knows how many years. Quite a long time, I think. Yeah, it's a long, it's an awfully long time. Um, and they've, and it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a lock, isn't it? But they've, I guess, they've positioned themselves as uh, one of the best, one of the most secure. And as long as you're reinforcing that all the time, yeah, it works for you. You know, it's it's going to work for you in the in the long run, isn't it? Um, whereas if you're yeah. if you're not too consistent with with your messaging and your brand. Yeah, I, mean, I, I imagine I, I don't I don't know their brand very well, but I imagine they went very much down the route of this is a lock. It's going to keep your doors or whatever uh, locked, so you don't have to worry about things. Whereas other brands might just have a bit, you know, the, that weak or inconsistent messaging, 
which makes people go, I've kind of heard of this brand because I've seen some ads or heard the name, but I wouldn't really be able to tell you what they do, why they do it. Um, so I think, yeah, consistency and kind of that's like you said, uh, you don't have to please everyone, do you? So that almost single focus. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people on LinkedIn who talk about, you know, when you're positioning yourselves really, really, really like granularly target people. So come up with like that one problem that you're trying to fix uh, and find the people who need that solution. And then you can start to maybe branch out a little bit later. Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely about being very clear because I also think, um, you know, people, we're bombarded now with so many messages and, and so many things that if it's if it's not clear, then you've really, you've really got no chance. I read a stat the other day. It's something like on, on Facebook, people are spending, actually it was on Instagram, it's people are spending like 1.7 seconds per piece of content. So if you think about that as a, as a how much how much time you've got to, to land a message, uh, it's not very much time. I mean, granted, that's the average. It's not like um, that's what people are doing for every single thing. But you really need to try and yeah. But on, if you're new, you need to interrupt them and break into their into their minds. Yeah, but I mean, if the, if the average is one point seven seconds, uh, it means some of them are going to be you know, a fraction of a second. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a significant number will be yeah under a second, which is, you know, not really enough time to take in anything. Um, Unless you're one of those brands that is really well known. And so people don't need to, to stick on it for long. Um, You know, for example, if Apple popped up in my, on my Instagram feed with an ad, I would probably skip over it, but I would still notice an Apple ad. Um, Whereas other brands, if I don't know them, they're going to have to grab my attention with that ad. Um, I was trying to, as you're talking, I was trying to think through some examples of, of ads that I see that have actually grabbed my attention. Um, there's one that pops up every now and again for a, I'm not sure if it's a, an actual journal or whether it's a, like a journal case. Um, but the only thing I can remember, I can't remember uh, what they're called, anything like that. The only thing I remember is the ad is all about getting 50% off. Um, <laughs> and it's, for me, that message really clashes with uh, the rest of their messaging, which is around how it's, you know, premium, I think it's like premium handmade leather or something from Italy or something like that. Um, but then they focus so much on this 50% off. And I'm like, well, if, it's, if it is that great, why do you need to be pushing that, pushing that yeah. message? Well, I think, you know, that's, that's the other thing is understanding where you sit within the market. If you're a luxury brand, do you really want to be doing massive discounts? And is you know, is that does that make sense to a consumer? Because so, you know, price price is another another factor in a consumer's mind when they're trying to assess whether the brand is a high quality or not. So they're almost saying we're a luxury product, um, but it's actually not worth what we think it's worth. So you know, buy it if you want. There's a I can't remember what the uh, what it's called now, but there's a chair company. Um, who do I think I think they actually position it as gaming chairs um, so kind of they're almost like uh, sports car seats I think yep. but they are a, a desk chair um, and I'd heard of them I, I stumbled across them the other day but I'd heard of them before I've heard of them a few times um, I've heard people mention them on social media saying these are the best uh, best desk chairs 
Um, absolutely recommend it. And they are about £400. Um, I think they start at about £400. So, you know, when you get those recommendations and then you see the price, you kind of think, all right, this, this must be good. And so you start checking yeah. the details and stuff. Um, whereas, you know, if, if, if all these people are raving about it and I went on to it and saw that it was like £99 or whatever, um, I might think, you know, how much better can that be than some of the pretty rubbish chairs on Amazon and stuff? Yeah, definitely. It definitely has, a, um, has an impact. But I guess also because you're already with, you know, slightly familiar with it and you'd seen good reviews of it, it kind of the pricing, I guess, backs up the premium nature of it. Um, whereas potentially maybe if you'd have seen it first, seen the price the first time you might have written it off as just being a very expensive chair but it was it was justified the decision was justified because you know that it's it performs to you know the way that it says it's supposed to people have bought it and been happy yeah yeah definitely um how do you think branding and brand strategy is going to change or, or yeah or change or develop over the next you know 12 to 18 months I guess particularly with with everything that's been happening this year. Yeah, big uh, big year for for everyone, isn't it? Um, I, I guess there's there's a couple of things that are that are pretty fascinating in terms of change. There there's the the speed of of the I guess the growth into e-commerce and digital marketing. I mean, I guess it's been growing all the time, and it's um, at a pretty good clip. But I feel like we're just all of a sudden jump forward i think someone said it's a bit like we're now and what we were expecting in 2030 uh we've kind of taken a, a 10 year leap forward in terms of online what's been bought online um, and what's been bought through mobile and all that sort of stuff so i feel like that's gonna um that's gonna continue uh i also think there's um like the power of small i think is gonna carry on like i really like that the it's, it's pretty easy now to start a business and to be able to sell online pretty quickly, like, you know, Instagram and Facebook launching shop. Um, I think it makes it pretty easy for like little players to now be able to achieve some of the things that was only really there for the bigger, uh, the bigger players with a, a bigger you know, digital team. And I guess the other area that's interesting at the moment in particular with the Black Lives Matter stuff is around purpose and uh, I guess sincerity as well. Um, I think there's a few brands that have kind of been called out a little bit, like almost um, there's a bit of tokenism and a little bit of seeing it, treating it like a trend, I guess, in some ways um, and going all every, all these other brands are, uh, are doing something around Black Lives Matter. So we better say something as well and talk about how, how diverse our company is. But it's such a big mistake if your company isn't actually that diverse or isn't behaving in a way that's actually, you know, even closely to being appropriate. So I, I think you know, the, the purpose stuff and sincerity stuff is the stuff that's probably the most interesting from a, from a brand perspective. Yeah, I think um, especially with Black Lives Matter, Matters, um, there, it's been a much more difficult one. I, I think some, uh, a lot of brands have been a lot more careful um, in saying anything about it. And it has led to uh, some interesting moments. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I, th I think it was Yorkshire Tea 
was the one that got attacked on social media. They were, they were criticized because they commented on it, I think. And they, and this person said, uh, you know, had a bit of a go and then said, I'll be, I won't be drinking Yorkshire tea anymore. I think it was, uh, I'll be, I'll be going to PG tips. And then PG tips responded saying, we were just taking our time, uh, saying anything because it's obviously a very, uh, sensitive thing, but of course we support it. Um, so you can go buy a tea somewhere else. And I think it was really, yeah, it was just interesting that, you know, obviously they hadn't said anything because they were working, well, they even said, you know, we were trying to work out what our communication or whatever on this should be. And other companies that have just said, you know, just post things about it. But I think the one that probably didn't go so well for a lot of brands was around the coronavirus, around coronavirus, um, when everyone started getting all these emails from the CEO of pretty much every company you've ever even just visited the website of saying, you know, we know these difficult times, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it was like the most meaningless message. Well, thing is that I don't think there's a reason to, to just say anything about it. Yeah. I thought there were some brands that, that did some, like some really amazing stuff around COVID. I think there were, there were the brands that did um, just simple things in terms of what the steps they were taking to make, um, consumers or shoppers safe like Tesco did their little helps video which I thought was really really nice in terms of the steps they were taking like really early on these are the steps that we're taking so you can still come to the supermarket and shop and still be safe you know like when they were introducing social distancing and they put their screens up and all you know only a certain number of people inside and all that sort of stuff I thought though that was quite a good like it, it had a purpose they they did it because they wanted to keep their staff safe and they wanted to keep the shoppers safe and it was an important message to share so that people understood how shopping had changed. And there were a few other like really nice examples of brands doing uh, quite cool stuff like Coke um, gave their social media, um, basically handed over their social media feeds to experts so that experts could share stuff around um, the COVID, like the virus, and like actually communicate with, I guess, the people that follow Coke, uh, and be an authority in an area that Coke had no uh, no knowledge of. But they they also probably weren't really a time where they wanted to be selling a whole lot of. Well, I'm sure they wanted to be selling Coke, but they weren't trying to push it in a traditional advertising sense. They were just actually being a utility to people. Uh, but I mean, these are examples of brands which have they've had a reason to do it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, T- Tesco. They had a purpose for the for the communication. You know, Coke did a really good thing. Um, but it, yeah, it's all those other brands which basically just sent out almost the same email um, each, yeah. just with that with this statement from the CEO. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, no, I agree. Totally pointless. That was that was probably I think for a lot a lot of brands probably a bit more damaging than. Than, uh, than actually, you know, valuable and useful for them. Um, not that you know, obviously, it's not enough. It wasn't offensive, but um, lots of people were probably thinking, you know, what what is the point? You just just filling the inbox. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I think that's you know where where some companies get it right and some companies get it wrong, and um, you know, they they felt like they needed to say something, but they didn't really have anything useful to say, so it just comes out kind of bad. I think there, there 
there is more room these days to make mistakes as long as you're also prepared to fix them. I mean, I think sending out emails that no one wants to read is one of those things where you just probably find that your um, your database just keeps getting smaller and smaller. But where people, I think where brands go out and they do something and they have maybe it's been misinterpreted or maybe they just haven't really thought about it. Um, I think there's more a bit more room for them to fix it and get it right as long as they do it quickly and do it sincerely. And I think that in some ways can can almost create a, uh, I don't know, more respect for the brand uh, in, the, in the eyes of consumers. Yeah, definitely, especially when um, if brands pull an advertising campaign or whatever because of backlash uh, and actually say, you know, really sorry, we got this wrong. This is what we're going to do to sort it or whatever. Um, you know, admitting that mistake uh, really, really does build build trust. Um, and I think, you know, there are probably some examples of brands who have quite badly messed up, but yep. almost come out of the situation better because they've actually just apologised and said, we really, really messed up with that. We're sorry. Um, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing, just generally, uh, you know, either as a, a marketer yourself or uh, as a consumer? Yeah, uh, there's a there's a few things about marketing that kind of bug me. I I mean I'm not a massive fan of hyperbole. I think there are um, this is probably a criticism of um, of agencies that work in the marketing world in terms of you know over over talking about themselves, um, hyping themselves up maybe a bit too much, and you know even even hyping up the the role of marketing sometimes I think is is uh, like it's it's one of the things that we've got. It's not the be all and end all, and um, I, I just think sometimes people get a bit carried away with it. Um, jargon's another thing that that bugs me. Um, it's fine if you know what it is, but actually, if you're if you're trying to share brand with lots of different people, then you really got to get all the jargon out and just talking in plain language. Uh, and I guess the the other thing that's kind of funny, like we we find um, we're we're very open and like we really enjoy collaborating with like clients and other other agencies. I think one of the things that always bugs me with creativity is when anyone claims an idea as as their own or that they've they've been the only one that that possibly made it happen. That's probably more of an advertising agency gripe than anything else. Yeah, yeah, because obviously. It's 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 come from somewhere. Um, it's it's always come from somewhere, hasn't it? It's always um, an, another advert they've seen or a campaign that has triggered this this little idea. But they position it as uh, this is this is brand new. This is mine. Um, yeah. It's also it's a, it's a team game. You know, like we, you know, running with scissors. We don't exist without our clients. We we have. You know, we work with our clients to deliver work for them. We're a service business, and we can't say that the stuff that we created is just because we created it. We, you know, we've got to work with our clients to make anything happen. So, I, I feel like uh, you know, there's probably not enough praise for clients when um, really great ideas or great creative comes into the into the marketplace. Yeah, it's got it's got to start with them, hasn't it? And then there's also customer, uh, you know, customer feedback, customer research. Um, you know, it tends to be like the, the people who come up with these ideas 
um, are more, I guess, the people who are quite good at you know digging into that data and the information and building something out of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I also don't want to take anything away from you know the people that have found those incredible insights and created some um, some amazing campaigns. Uh, but it, it's also acknowledging that even even if it was there's you know there's one genius in the room, it's still there's, there's still a lot of people that have to work together to make make something happen. Um, you know, it's it's a bit like it's a bit like football, I guess. You know, you can maybe you've got Messi in your team, but can't do it all on their own they still need another 10 players yeah yeah definitely um so if you could kill off one particular marketing chat marketing channel or tactic what would it be um I, maybe it's more like a change than a kill but um i'm really uh having, i'm really hating pre-rolls at the moment um but I, I feel like i'm stuck on the same i'm just getting the same content over and over again i think if i see another squarespace advertisement i'll <laughs> throw my computer through the window um so yeah I, I i just i'm a big fan of a frequency cap on your advertising um so that it's uh, people aren't seeing the same ad three times in the you know in three minutes so i, I think that's probably my my current pet hate Maybe I'm just spending too much time on YouTube and maybe I should upgrade to the premium account. Yeah, uh, no, pre-rolls uh, get quite quite annoying, don't they? Especially when they, um, especially when you, they, they actually just play automatically, even when you're not uh, on a video-specific site. So you can be on a news site, for example, and um, yeah. the, the video will just start playing and it will normally uh, play an ad first. Um, yeah, I find yeah. That, that quite annoying. <laughs> I, I think like the Google Display stuff too is, you know, you're reading an article and especially an article that's got a lot of images in it and then there's ads that are sitting within it. I don't think that we've quite nailed that as a, um, like separating the ads from the articles. It's, sometimes it, it feels like the, the the pictures are part of the article and then you realise that an ad has got nothing to do with the article at all and it's, it's like it's either just getting missed or it's just annoying and interrupting the flow of the articles. So. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I've noticed that recently um, a couple of times going through an article and there's been an ad, you know, the article has been talking about some statistics or something, uh, you know, about, it's normally about football to be honest. It's normally what I'm reading, but <laughs> yeah. um, the ad will look as it look like it's showing a graph or something. Um, and and so I'm sat there going, I don't understand how that's relevant. And then suddenly, well, obviously not that long, but you know, after a second, I suddenly realise it's an ad for, you know, uh, a newspaper or something, something like that. And yeah, yeah, then you have to you skip past, and it's just a bit, it's uh, it's interrupting, but not in a, not in a good or useful way. You know, obviously when you're in your, your Instagram feed or Facebook feed, and the ads interrupt you because they're just a piece of content that appears next. That's a little different yeah. because each piece of content is broken up. But yeah, when it disrupts you in the middle of something you're reading, that's, um, that's pretty frustrating. Yeah. And if, you know, I think sometimes it almost feels like they're trying to trick you into clicking on an ad that you don't even want to want to look at, um, which is, yeah, it's, it's either just annoying or it's, um, 
it takes it takes too much. You know, it takes no, not that it takes that much time, but it feels like it's it's disrupting your flow because it's distracting you from what you're really wanting to do. Mm, yeah, actually, uh, app app ads which uh, you accidentally click and they open up the app store. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that one for sure. You know, there should be a uh, you know like an extra confirm for that. Um, you know, do you want to open the app store or something like that? Um, yeah. if, you've, if you've clicked the ad deliberately, then you go, yes, sure. And if you haven't clicked yep. it, you can avoid that annoying, annoying yep. distraction. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Cool. Well, uh, it's been really good stuff. Um, really a pleasure talking to you. How can people get in touch if they, if they want to know more or find out more about branding? Uh, so I guess email is probably your best bet, uh, friday at rws.agency. Um, so that's probably the best way. I mean, you can always check out our website. It's um, also rws.agency, so running with agency. Cool. Well, great stuff, Friday. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. Great talking to you, Will. You too. It's really important to understand the real why of the business and understand the competitor landscape, uh, run customer research to understand what the perception of the brand is. Um, and also where there are gaps in the market in the, in, in terms of brand values. Uh, the way the consumer perceives the brand is so important, and that's affected by you know, your, your advertising, your customer service, and the actions you take during times of crisis or big social movements. It's not so much an error of marketing, uh, but more of a company vision and a way the business should be behaving both internally and externally, which is why it's so important the whole company buys into the brand and its values. If you'd like to learn more about branding, reach out to Friday on LinkedIn or drop an email to will at customerswhoclick.com. In the next episode, I've got David Frazier from Ready10 with me to talk about PR. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Yeah.